the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Check out monorail.com, America's affordable investment app made for conservatives who want to keep their hard-earned money with companies that share their value. Download the Monorail app today. Join Monorail. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here, and a good Monday to you. I hope you had a good weekend. Been saying that for decades. And I assume that some don't. So I don't say it as just a line. Anyway, welcome again from Miami, Florida, where I will be all week. I am in part two of the, let's see, how many sessions do we do? Uh, We do nine sessions, I believe it is. Two hours each, 18 hours on the book of Exodus with Jordan Peterson. And I and five others along with Jordan Peterson for the Daily Wire, are producing this, and the the first nine going through chapter 19 of the book of Exodus have garnered, I think, a million views, and there will be millions to come because they have plans to make it even more widespread, but even a million Nothing to sneeze at when you're talking about serious talk about a biblical book. So we're doing part two now, and Ben Shapiro will be joining us today as well. So it's uh, it's a high-powered group, and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. I really like these other people in the group. There, There are two Americas. The America that thinks that this is a beautiful contribution to our society and the America that laughs at it or even opposes it. There are. We have nothing in common left and right. Liberals and conservatives have everything in common except for one thing. The liberals vote for the left. Otherwise, liberals and conservatives have virtually identical values, but liberals have been taught and believe that their enemy is the right and not the left. So that's why I'm here. I had uh, been doing many other things as well. I spoke this morning at a big Orthodox Jewish school in Miami to the 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. I'll tell you about that a little later, but yesterday I attended one of my grandchildren's religious days at his Jewish school and it was it was really moving I'll tell you about it the browser Maimonides Academy in Fort Lauderdale that was the uh, that was the school and it was for the first graders it was Sidur day Sidur is the Hebrew for prayer book the the Jewish prayer book the Hebrew prayer book and they get their own prayer book on this celebratory day, which was yesterday. 
And I was really touched at how different everything was in this school from a regular public or regular private school. The First of all, the, the boys and girls all had, uh, you know, a special way to dress, uh, basically uh, a white shirt and slacks for the boys and a white top and a skirt for the girls. I think it is a beautiful thing to have dress codes. I think it is a beautiful thing to have a different dress code for boys and for girls. All of that is considered sick and disgusting and transphobic and homophobic and um, what else? Let's see. And cisgendered, uh, hetero, heteronormative, uh, and, and patriarchal. Everything I saw yesterday is held in contempt at your at most of your local private and public secular schools. The boys were dressed as boys. The girls were dressed as girls. They seemed happy and healthy. They probably are largely happy and healthy. They spoke about God in their lives, the importance of prayer. You know, I I am immersed in both the Christian and Jewish worlds. There may be others who are as equally immersed, but I I think it's pretty rare. I know it's rare. It's not a compliment. It's just a statement of fact. And it is so appropriate to speak of Judeo-Christian values because any Christian who, any traditional Catholic, Protestant, LDS, Mormon, who would have been there would have, if, if the words that were in Hebrew were translated, and there were not many, but some, they would resonate entirely to what was said, the importance of prayer, the importance of God in their lives, waking up and thanking God for another day. I mean, it it was really a, a beautiful thing. The kids sang these songs, melodies, and then each one was called up. There were, I counted, 16, yeah, 16 of them, of the first graders at this school, and they were called up, each one to be given a prayer book. And, you know, the uh, the families and friends cheered as the kid went up there, and the kid beamed for a picture taken with a real camera, I might add. So I, I thought it was very uh, a very beautiful scene you should homeschool your child or send your child to a school that affirms judeo-christian values that affirms what what is good what is noble what is beautiful that affirms the need for the individual to battle himself as opposed to battle America. The problems in kids' lives are human. Now they are American, ironically. America is the most woke country in the world. I guess Canada is probably tied. It is a tragedy for me to say this to you, 
because American exceptionalism has been one of the cornerstones of my understanding of the world. And yes, today America is exceptional, exceptionally woke, and therefore exceptionally destructive to many of the values in the world. I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I, I know I, I'm hearing my words, and I know what I'm saying. I know they're true, and I still can't believe it. But uh, that is that is the case. People, apparently there is some almost demonic part of human nature that hates the good. To hate what America has achieved, you are... you. There is something truly sick with your soul. And it's very hard for me to relate to it. It's hard to empathize with something that is just twisted. So another thing that I will dwell upon. So I I went to another Orthodox uh, Jewish school to give a speech today. And obviously before the show, it was 9 a.m. Eastern time. Happily, I don't suffer from jet lag because it meant that I gave a speech at 6 a.m. my time. But I'm fine, thank God. I really do thank God. Some people are really, really hit by, by jet lag. Anyway, I asked these students... 6th, 7th, 8th graders, my lifelong question, would you save your dog or a stranger if both were drowning? Since they live on the Atlantic Ocean, they have beaches, they can relate to it. In the Midwest, I have to say, imagine, here I don't. And which one would you try to save first? And the vast majority, it wasn't even the one-third, one-third, one-third that I have often gotten, one-third the dog, one-third the stranger, one-third doesn't know. Uh, the uh, This was like 90% would save their dog. And I, I basically spoke to them, and I even I forcefully told them, you don't, you don't take your religion seriously. You pray every day. The famous verse from the Torah, from the first five books of the Bible, don't follow your heart or eyes, and yet you follow your heart. This is a big deal. I'll I'll talk about that uh, more momentarily. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a small retail business almost $80,000. COVIDtaxrelief.org got a manufacturing business nearly $250,000. And COVIDtaxrelief.org just got a large distribution business almost $900,000. If you run a business, church, or nonprofit and paid your employees through all or part of the pandemic, you could qualify for up to $26,000 per employee through the government's CARES Act. But beware of clickbait or pay-up-front companies that make you do the work and take a huge percentage of your refund. COVIDtaxrelief.org receives a low, reasonable commission only after you receive your refund. And with 300 CPAs and tax experts, no one is better at getting you the maximum benefit than COVIDtaxrelief.org. Visit COVIDtaxrelief.org now because this plan expires soon. That's COVIDtaxrelief.org, COVIDtaxrelief.org. Refund examples are not a guarantee and not all businesses qualify. I call on you. 
Okay, everybody. Sean, send me a Zoom link for the calls. So, my friends, there's a great piece in Newsweek. I didn't even know he was would be writing. Prigger U is a very big organization. C.J. Pearson is one of our young, what they call personalities. He speaks to a lot of people. He's with Prager U. He has a piece in Newsweek. C.J. Pearson, Prager U personality. That's how he is identified. Young men like me deserve better role models than Prince Harry. You know, I haven't spoken to you almost at all about Harry and Meghan. And I haven't because I I just didn't want to get involved for reasons that are not fully clear to myself, believe it or not. And I am pretty clear about my motives and intentions. I think perhaps it was because I thought maybe I don't know enough about their family situation to broadcast my my opinion about these two people but it's it's gotten so far it's gone so far that i i feel that the cj pearson this young man younger than harry uh has really hit the nail on the head so some of what he's written in the January 13th Newsweek. The Duke of Sussex renounced it all purportedly in the name of love, and in doing so, he also denounced his country, scoffed at tradition, and estranged his family. Yet somehow this makes him a role model in the eyes of the media. The Evening Standard called Prince Harry the male role model men so desperately need. the twisted world of the left to think that Harry is a the role male role model men desperately need CNN did the same casting the Duke as quote role model for emotional availability for men and boys as did Harper's Bazaar the twisted world of CNN. The, again, you, I, I can't believe this. He is a role model for emotional availability for men and boys. Crap on your brother. Crap on your father. Crap on your stepmother. Crap on your family. On your country's traditions. You're an emotional... Emotionally available role model, according to CNN. Yeah, they probably can't stand his brother William because his brother William has dignity. The left finds dignity repulsive. Self-control, dignity, affirmation of tradition and country. Oh, my God, you can't get lower. Well, you can't get lower than that, I guess. You can deny that men give birth. But it's hard to get lower in the eyes of the left. (laughs) I told you that we have nothing in common. 
The left thinks that Prince Harry is, is just apparently awesome, a male role model. I can't think of a more emasculated man in public life. There may be. Maybe the uh, the drag queens who who would acknowledge that, but they're anonymous. He's he's well known. Best selling first day book in history. One point four million books sold the first day. People love gossip. Hmm. That's the human condition. I continue with uh, this article in Newsweek. Somehow this makes him a role model in the eyes of the media. Oh, yeah, I read that. But while Prince Harry may be the media's darling, he is no role model for my generation. Or rather, we deserve better role models than Prince Harry. What is virtuous about about turning one's back on their family? What is courageous about disparaging them in front of any audience that is willing to listen? What does it say about a culture when it chooses to denigrate thinkers like Dr. Jordan Peterson for empowering young men? And coincidentally, this is, I'm very involved in this. He, C.J. Pearson, is with PragerU, and I'm with Jordan Peterson for nine days doing the book of Exodus for the Daily Wire. I know of what he speaks, this young man. What does it say about a culture that chooses to denigrate thinkers like Dr. Jordan B. Peterson for empowering young men to embrace responsibility, yet champions people like Prince Harry, who wear victimhood as a badge of honor? C.J., well done, well done. And he ends his piece. We are tired of the glorification of the emasculated men. Men. We are tired of the demonization of men for simply being men. The story of Prince Harry isn't something to emulate. It is something to repudiate. All right, CJ. Well done. That is exactly right. The uh, the loathing of quality men who embrace manhood is a is a central part of the left. Women who are angry at men and men who can't live up to the standards that they should combine in that assault. We return one eight Prager seven seven six. Every day when I pass a mirror, I still can't believe it. It's me. I'm looking back at myself. I never thought I'd be this fit again. But 42 pounds ago, I decided to take control of my health. And with the help of my PhD weight loss and nutrition, I'm so glad I did. The program is simple. Dr. Ashley Lucas and her amazing team customize a plan for your body to make it simple. They even provide 80% of your food at no additional cost. They treat your entire person as one. Dr. Ashley believes that all change starts with the mind. She'll help you to change your behavior when it comes to food and think differently about food 
so you'll never gain the weight back. Give them a call right now at 864-644-1900 and they can answer all your questions. If I can do it, you can do it. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. Read to you from a great column by a young man who's at PragerU, C.J. Pearson, on the awful role model Prince Harry is to young men. That he is celebrated by CNN, Harper's Bazaar, and other media as as a model for young men it's is pathetic is just pathetic men need boys need male models like they need food and there's such a paucity of them men so many men have opted to be weak It's a choice to be weak. Everything is a choice. People should understand that. It's like I tell people during the happiness hour and when I talk about happiness, you choose when to be insulted. Yes, it's a choice. How come I never feel insulted? You know how many insults there are of me on on the Internet? Tens of thousands. But I never feel insulted. I don't even, I don't understand what the term means. I choose not to be. You, you, everything is a choice. You want to be weak, you've chosen it. Weak men are known in part as leftists. The more progressive the man, almost always, the weaker he is. Doesn't mean they can't do damage. To do damage doesn't take strength, however. To construct take strength. To destroy does not take strength. These men are afraid of life. They're afraid of being unpopular. They're afraid of being unloved. And they're afraid of women. It's a defining characteristic of the weaker man. A fear of women. Women know it. And they're, they are generally repulsed by it unless they too are of the progressive ilk and have convinced themselves that a weak man is a great asset to them. But then they get angrier and they don't know why they're angrier. Have we ever seen as many angry women in our society as today? As we have we ever we statistically know that there are more depressed women than ever, but young women anyway. It is that's a statistic. That is not a conservative source or a conservative claim. Major uh, major issues. How you develop boys into good men is one of the most important questions in a society. In fact, it might be the most important question any society has to face. In our weirdo world, <laughs> the uh, the amount of weird stories that comes in on a, on a, on a, on a given moment uh, is uh, is quite remarkable. Actually, here's one from Australia. 
Australian man attacks the doctor that he believes killed his loved one with the vaccine. So there's actually a video of him banging on his doctor's car and smashing his side view mirror. Of course, I completely condemn uh, these uh, th- that action. But the anger at doctors who have not been medically responsible and have just been sheep-like in supporting kids out of school for two years, in supporting lockdowns, in supporting kids in masks, and in supporting uh, young people getting the so-called vaccine, because they've redefined vaccine in order for you to believe it's a vaccine, Uh, this has actually caused about half the population of America and many people in every other Western country for the first time in their lives to distrust the medical community. I am among them. It never occurred to me to distrust the AMA the Pediatrics Association, I've never trusted the American Psychiatric Association. That's been its own, its own tragedy. But uh, this has happened. This, uh, this attack by this man whose loved one died because of the vaccine. And if you deny that people are dying from the vaccine, you're, you're just not aware of what is happening uh, in the in the world today. Yep, it's hard to be strong. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager mentioned to you I'm in Miami all week. Came here last week doing the Book of Exodus with Jordan Peterson and five scholars, and it's 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 a high for me. And part one, the first nine or the first 20 chapters, first 19 chapters of Exodus is out at the Daily Wire. Uh, by the way, one of the reasons I'm mentioning this is how cold it is here in Miami, or has been. It's actually been cold at night. It, it's I, It's gone down, I think, to the 50s, which has sort of shocked the people here. It, it's interesting, and I just say it's interesting. I'm not saying it refutes anything scientifically, but it is interesting that these cold things are so rarely reported. When when you get record cold temperatures during global warming, it, it, it isn't reported nearly as often as the record hot temperatures might be reported. What was it they just had yesterday? Was it in Siberia? Minus 80 degrees, I believe. How many people know that? <laughs> it's you have to admit that there are parts of the globe where it would be a major uh, major advantage if things got uh, got that warm. In the meantime, listen to this: a German scientist said that every individual in the in the Western world, at least, should have a a uh, carbon dioxide limit. Hans Joachim Schellenhuber from the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research said that every person should have a limit of three tons of CO2 emission per year 
and those who exceed their limit should be forced to pay for the pleasure. Now, since none of you know how many tons of CO2 you emit, the average person emits 10,000. That means that you, according to this, would have to be penalized monetarily if you used uh, one-third of the amount of energy, fossil fuel energy, that you do now. One-third. Less than one-third, actually. Sheldon Hooper said there are two competing property rights issues issues at hand, namely the right to spend one's money on high emissions activities and the rights of the rest of the population, quote, to have an environment worth living in. Have you noticed that our environment is not worth living in? I haven't. In a carbon credit style scheme, those who emit over the three-ton limit by the middle of the century, that's 2050, 27 years from now, would need to privately purchase credits from those who are under the limit. So if you were under the limit, you would get money from people over the limit. That's a beautiful, honest redistribution of income plan. At present, according to the news outlet, the average German is far above Schellenhuber's proposed limit as 10 tons of CO2 emissions are produced by the average citizen, as I mentioned earlier. Citing the Paris World Inequality Lab, there are some millionaires within the country that produce over 100 tons of CO2 per year and some thousands of elites worldwide who emit over 2,000 tons a year. Aside from not spelling out how he expects people to drastically reduce their carbon emissions, the German scientist did not elaborate on how exactly this will be tracked and monitored. However, as Breitbart News reports, Alibaba is developing a digital, quote, individual carbon footprint tracker to monitor the actions of the public. I have no doubt that this will be incorporated into various countries in the not-too-distant future. An individual carbon footprint monitor. Alibaba's president announced that the Globalist World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, which is taking place now, one of the most awful, destructive, I never used the word in the past, but I will now, demonic institutions in the world, the World Economic Forum. Proof that people do not value liberty. It's very scary what is happening with the World Economic Forum. Yes, the Chinese tech giant is currently developing a digital individual carbon footprint tracker to monitor the emissions of the public. We are developing through technology the ability for consumers to measure their own carbon footprint, where they are traveling, how they are traveling, what they are eating, what they are consuming on the platform, the former Goldman Sachs banker explained. That's Michael Evans, J. Michael Evans. The fact that he announces this with pride gives you an idea of how little people who want to control your lives fear the average citizen. 
it's not even being done by the World Economic Forum in a sneaky way. They're boasting about it. We are developing through technology. This is a, a former head of the of Goldman Sachs. And uh, he is uh, J. Michael Evans. To measure your carbon footprint when you're traveling, how you are traveling, what you are eating, what you are consuming. The description of the environmentalist movement is a watermelon, green on the outside, red on the inside. It was told to me about 30 years ago. I sort of knew it was true, and now it should be obvious. It's green as environmentalism on the outside, red as in communism on the inside. They're telling you they are, and half the world doesn't give a damn. The Dennis Prager Show. My Pillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever and just in time for Christmas. For a limited time, get the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98, a set of pillowcases for only $9.98, and rejuvenate your bed with a My Pillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more, all with the biggest discounts of the year happening now. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2023, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager, or call 800-761-6302. You'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98, and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. Hi, everybody. The only existential threat I am aware of, well, there actually there are two actual existential threats. Uh, global warming is not uh, one of them. One existential threat is to liberty and freedom of speech and all the freedoms that go under the heading of liberty from the world's left, from the World Economic Forum, to the Democratic Party in the United States and uh, in all the organizations that support it, like the medical associations, etc. The other existential threat is to Israel on the part of Iran, which uh, repeatedly vows to exterminate the state of Israel. That's an existential threat. There is no existential threat to biological life or to human life. That's a gigantic lie. It's not being a climate denier. It's being a truth teller with regard to existential threats. But in the name of avoiding existential threat, the left is capable of depriving people of liberty. And that is exactly what is taking place. It's now taking place in Davos with the World Economic Forum. Uh, 
headed by a German, Klaus Schwab. It's funny, I have a number of wonderful German friends, and they know my belief. They don't have much to say against it. One of my ways of understanding the last 150 years of the world is Germany is always wrong. From the Kaiser to Angela Merkel. It's it's a phenomenon, isn't it? I don't I don't understand why. I certainly don't believe it's in DNA, but it's certainly in the culture. Hard to hard to explain, but it seems to be the case. San Diego, Adam, hello. Honor to talk to you. You know, uh, based on what you were saying before, I mean, what do you think of this? That owners whose values, you know, are more against your own values and with. I mean, people should never spend money on those owners or their companies. I mean, isn't isn't that even in the Bible somewhere, like the Book of Wisdom or something? Spend on their owners. I didn't quite follow what you're, what you're saying. Like owners who have values that are that are against uh, the customers' values. People shouldn't spend money on oh. those owners or their companies or banks. Yeah. Well, it's it's a very big problem because virtually every large corporation is run by a coward. Back in a moment. Well, hello, everybody. Hope you had a good weekend. I'm Dennis Prager in Miami. Cold Miami, I might add. People here are shocked at how cold it is. And I am thrilled beyond words, as you can imagine. So far, I'm two for two. I was here for the same reason for 10 days in August of last year. And now 10 days here, January this year, for the Daily Wire and Jordan Peterson, where uh, he is leading uh, six of us in... Uh, studying the book of Exodus. This is part two, ten sessions. The first part uh, has been magnificently successful for uh, Daily Wire. And uh, in my opinion, this is at least as good as the first sessions, the first ten sessions or nine sessions. Uh, And uh, it, it was actually inordinately cool for August in Miami when I was here. They all said, oh, this is a freak week. So I've come for two freak weeks, both on the cold side, and I I would not be so presumptuous as to say God has acted in this way. Uh, as important as I believe this project is, first of all, it would go on if it were extremely hot. And secondly, I... I, I never assume that God intervenes in my life only because how, how do I know and I always have this voice in me that says, well, why isn't he intervening in somebody else's who needs intervention more? But it's a stupid question because of the. there's a great Hebrew phrase. It's three words in Hebrew, but it's more, more in English. In Hebrew, it goes, Lu yadativ hayitiv. If I knew him, I'd be him. 
I find that an extremely intelligent response to all these questions people have with regard to God. I, uh, there are questions that don't allow for answers that we can fully understand because we're not God. Simple as that. Does your dog understand your decisions? So why will you understand God's? That's that, that's a, a rational way of looking at it. So anyway, from cold Miami, Dennis Prager, good to be with you. The, this is a Martin Luther King Day. And the president delivered an address yesterday. Joe Biden. A... Uh, a bad man, in my opinion. can't believe I'm saying that about a president of the United States. I didn't say it about Bill Clinton. I didn't say it about Barack Obama. Two Democrats have been in office that since I began broadcasting. Didn't care for either of them, but I never said that. This is a bad human being, in my opinion. Considerably worse human being than Donald Trump and certainly more damaging to the country. In any event, we gave a speech, this race-baiting president. He uh, spoke at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, sort of the, the spiritual headquarters of the Martin Luther King memory. This is the New York Times. It is both interesting in the way it's reported and in what it says. When he came to the capital of the South to honor the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King last year, President Biden delivered a call to nonviolent arms for voting rights. Voting rights. The whole thing is another lie of the left. No voting rights are being suppressed. They consider asking people for identification for an ID to be suppressive suppressive of voting rights. How many democracies in the world have voting ID requirements? To the best of my knowledge, nearly all of them. Why wouldn't they? Why would anybody be opposed to such a thing? But this is another way in which you can depict the Republicans and conservatives and the right generally as anti-black and anti-democracy. Equating opponents, that is, President Biden equated opponents of voting rights. This is the way in which the New York Times reports it. Voting rights is not in quotes. Equating opponents to segregationists and vowing to rewrite Senate rules to defeat them. I will not yield, he declared. I will not flinch. A year later, Mr. Biden returned to Atlanta on Sunday with little to show for it. New York Times is is unhappy about that. He may not have flinched, but he did not succeed either. None of the sweeping voting rights measures he championed passed the Democratic-controlled Congress last year. And so a leader who arguably owes his presidency to the critical and timely support of black voters, capital B, of course, mainstream media uh, has decided to capitalize a color, 
in 2020 was left to offer only vague exhortations of hope and no concrete policy plans or legislative strategies. This drives the New York Times crazy because an inactive Congress is anathema to the left, which wishes to pass as many laws as possible because every law is, by definition, controlling of people. Quote, at this inflection point, we know there's a lot of work that has to continue on economic justice. So a little word before I continue his quote. What is the difference between justice and economic justice? Between justice and social justice? Just yesterday at this seminar with Jordan Peterson for the Daily Wire, we reviewed Exodus is it 23, either 22 or 23, which has a law in it. You shall not favor the poor man in court. And as I pointed out to the group, you'll be able to see it in a few months. As I pointed out, this is the Bible's way of attacking social justice. It's because social justice would say that in a battle between a billionaire and a poor man, you should favor the poor man. But that's social justice. Justice is you favor who is right. That is the purpose of a courtroom, to establish justice and truth first. Justice is built on truth. Once you begin with social justice, the battle for truth is insignificant and for justice. Social justice has nothing in common with justice. If it did, if it were the same thing, they wouldn't have a term called social justice. It would be meaningless. But it is not the same as justice. If it were the same, obviously, there wouldn't be such a word or term. So economic justice, okay, civil rights. We have to continue. There's a lot of work to continue, the president's president said at Ebenezer Church, on economic justice, civil rights, voting rights, and protecting our democracy. Yes, they're all, they're all being threatened by the right wing. Economic justice, civil rights, voting rights, and protecting our democracy. Really? How exactly is the right wing threatening? How are conservatives and Republicans threatening our democracy? And I'm remembering that our job, this is the line that really annoys me. You would think the others did. They do. But this one, I got to say, this one got me. And I'm remembering that our job is to redeem the soul of America. Mr. Biden told the appreciative crowd. Look, I get accused of being an inveterate optimist, the president added. Really? Who has ever accused Joe Biden of being an inveterate optimist? (laughs) These are things that he just makes up. Uh, It's a joke somewhat. All right, anyway, this is the line that gets me. Progress is never easy. 
but redeeming the soul of the country is absolutely essential. This is the ultimate example of telling you that you're doing what we're doing. I also believe we have to redeem the soul of our country, but they're the threat. All right, everybody. So I am uh, reading to you the New York Times description here of the uh, Joe Biden speech at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. And this this is the part that really, that's the ultimate gaslighting. Redeeming the soul of our country is absolutely essential. Twice, at least, he said, redeem the soul of our country. Yeah, we on the left. That's a beauty, isn't it? That's the ultimate gaslight. We're going to redeem the soul of our country. You who destroy the soul of our country, you leftists, are going to redeem it. (sighs) Yeah. Well, if you believe men give birth then you believe that the left will redeem the soul of the country. That's a fact, by the way. I can't think of anyone who thinks men give birth who don't think that the left will redeem the soul of the country. And I can't think of anybody who denies men give birth who believes that the left will redeem the soul of the country. So they're related. This package of lies, of absurdities, are believed by the same people, whatever the absurdity. America is systemically racist. America was founded in 1619. Men give birth. There are not no two sexes. It is a beautiful thing to expose five-year-olds to drag queen skits called story hours. And they believe they will restore the soul or redeem, excuse me, the soul of the country. It all goes hand in hand. You believe one, you believe the whole list. You don't believe one, you don't believe the whole list. One of the many reasons I say that there is an an unbridgeable gap between left and right. If you believe the left will redeem the soul of the country, you believe men give birth. Speaking from a church pulpit, New York Times report, continues, Mr. Biden eschewed the open partisanship of his speech last year. I wonder, did they acknowledge last year that it was open partisanship, or they only acknowledge it this year? When he spoke at a university and compared Republicans to George Wallace, the Alabama governor who stood in a doorway rather than let black students enter a white university, to Bull Connor, The public safety commissioner of Birmingham, Alabama, used police dogs and fire hoses on civil rights protesters. And to Jefferson Davis, the president of the Confederacy, that went to war to defend slavery. Yes. That's what he did last year. This is the president of the United States speaking about his belief in wanting to unify America. But half the country is the moral equivalent of George Wallace, Bull Connor, and Jefferson Davis. Pretty remarkable, is it not? That's it. 1-8-Prager-776 is the number here.
And let's see what we have. Uh, okay. Let's see. Abbeville, South Carolina. David, hello. Hello. Um, I remember you talking about the same thing with Bill Maher about um, men giving birth and that the Democrats believe that, and he thought that was just outrageous. Do you think that your comment changed the way he operates? Because now he's really kind of scrutinizing what the Democrats are doing. Well, Bill Maher, to his credit, says a lot of things that are anti-left. Bill Maher is a liberal. He hates the Republicans and hates the right, but he also hates the left. So he he, he is a liberal. I, he probably votes Democrat. Sorry, I don't know what the noise. I'll have to look. Sean, I don't have uh, access to the controls here for some reason. And uh, I... Um, I don't know why we're getting those noises. Again, I'm on remote, folks, and so sometimes you have to bear with us. Uh, okay, let's see now. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I'm uh, trying to get back, and there we go. Let's see if this works. Okay, Palmdale, California. John, hello. Uh, Dennis, Sean, Dennis, one Dennis second, is... John. Wait, wait, John. Before you say anything, Sean, I, I, there's some reason I have. You're the only one who act, can access the calls. Go ahead, John. Pleasure to talk to America's number one conspiratorialist. Um, I, uh, I, I it's a stupid why... comment. Can you tell me of a conspiracy really? a that I endorse? Because. Yeah, I'll th- because you don't have anything to back it up with. What conspiracies do you think I believe in? Well, you, you, for one, don't don't know, you say, who, who won the election. Well, that disagrees with all your, 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 your famous friends, like Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump. It's a, they know. They're convinced. But you don't know. So wait, wait, wait. So why am I a conspiratorialist? You're proving the because, fact that I'm not. It's conspir- because it's conspiratorial to think that anybody but uh, Joe Biden won the election, for one. Uh, is it conspiratorial to think that uh, there was cheating done in the, in the Nixon-Kennedy election? I, I, I'm not an expert on that, Dennis. I, 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 I Okay, I fine. I... Okay, so, so let me just say that to have doubts about the Democratic Party being honest, is, if that's a conspiratorialist, then it renders the term useless. Conspiratorialist means one who makes up silly fantasies of conspiracies. If you think it's a silly fantasy to think that the Democratic Party would cheat in an election, I'm keeping you on, by the way. I just have to put you on because we're going to take a break. Uh, I'm very curious to hear what else you have to say because I I go first to calls that differ with me. All right. What's our timing there, Sean? All right. We'll be back in a moment. I'm Dennis Prager. The Dennis Prager Show. I'm going to uh, go back to my caller, John, in California. Hello, John. Yes. Hi, one, Dennis. One second. Hi okay, yeah, right. Uh, so, okay, you... so do you want to continue with the uh, conspiratorialist or move on to something else? It's your it's your call. Well, thank you, Dennis. I, I just I just find it abhorrent that you, you, you uh, preach so many wrong ideas to your listening audience that I think you know are wrong. I, I don't believe you believe all of what you say. Like I mean, what? It, what do you think I don't believe? So therefore you you think I'm lying. Uh, 
It's one thing I must admit in my 40 years, it's very, very rare. I've been called everything except a liar. So you really well, do have a, a big uh, hurdle to overcome. Tell me where I've lied. I never said you lied, then, and I said you dispensed. You did. You, you said if I know something is wrong and I'm saying it, then that's why is that not a lie? That's the definition of a lie. But, to oh, say I, something I, I you know to, is not true. A, I hate to call you a liar, Dennis, because uh, uh, I, I think all right. Many... So that okay, okay. That's it's very sweet that you hate, and I'm, I'm not being cute. But when you say I say things that I know are wrong, that is the definition of, of a liar. Well, you must believe them to be true. Let me say that, Dennis. You must believe them to be true. Okay, in that sense, but they're wrong. Not, not, a, not a liar. But, okay. but, but so many of the things that you espouse are just flat like, out not controversial anymore. Like, like climate change, for, for instance. Uh, you don't what believe, do I say about climate change? Tell me what I say and then an tell me what's wrong. Threat. You don't believe that man-made climate change don't. is an existential threat to civilization. That's right. I yeah, think it's how a sick, your, how you perverse... Your, what, can you water your lawn anymore, Dennis? If I can't, it's only because of the laws of a state that uh, decided not to build, for example, uh, any uh, water purification plants, uh, desalination plants uh, in, in California, like Israel has done, a, a place that has less water than America by far, and now exports water because it has desalination plants. Why didn't we build them in California? Because of the goddamn environmentalists. That's why. Um, Dennis, if you are trying to espouse that there is, the climate change is not affecting us, and uh, I never said that. Region, I, you changed. Uh, you changed from existential threat to affecting yes, us. I'll stay with existential threat. I'll stay with existential. Yeah. Okay. Threat. Fine. That, sir, is a, is that I do believe is a lie. I don't know whether or not Al Gore believes so I'm a liar. it. Since 1990, so the I'm man has, he might be. Uh, no, because you believe it. You believe this crap, and I and I, I condemn you for believing crap. But that it's that the existence of biological life on Earth is threatened by carbon dioxide emissions. That is crap, and it is causing staggering suffering on the part of people who cannot afford, maybe you're rich enough to afford the energy prices that Germans pay and Americans will pay, uh, the the double this year of last year that Sa- SoCal gas, you must know it, you live in SoCal. Did you get the note that you're, uh, you will be paying double uh, on your gas bill from last year, which was already up from the previous year? What does this have to do with climate change, Dennis? Because in the name of climate change and existential threat that people like you have been suckered into believing, people are being hurt terribly economically. That's what it has to do. Dennis, where where did you garner the knowledge that this is not true, that that, that the people who are... Because I've been told, I've been told every 12 years since, uh, by Al Gore, 1990, earth in the balance, we have 12 years and it'll be too late. Dennis, They've lied every twelve years. You believe their their sensationalism. You have you have nothing to show for it. Has your life been affected by climate change at all? Tell me. Absolutely. How? By the fact that I can't get I can't water my lawn anymore. By the fact that's because of that's because of Newsom, no, not, not climate that's, change. That's a lie. That's a lie, okay. Dennis. Okay, uh, that's a lie. That's a flat oh, out okay. lie. Why can people water their lawn where I am now in Miami? 
I, I have no idea. Oh, you, obviously you don't. Okay, I appreciate your calling. All right, what can I do? It's not because of Newsom. All right, now listen, I appreciate his call, and I kept him on a long time. People have been panicked into keeping kids out of school for two years. I hate these panic mongers. I don't mean the guy who called. I don't hate him. He's just been panicked like parents were into accepting the idea that their, that their two-year-old has to be masked, that they can't play with kids for two years, that they can't go to school for two years. Do you understand how these, at what point of these panic mongers will you say, damn you? Damn you, I don't believe a God, uh, excuse me, I can't use GD, that's right. I don't know why not. They should be damned. The damage they have done to people, the suicide rate among kids. God. Is there a single panic that people like my caller don't believe? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Hope you had a good weekend. I have a terrific guest, Carol Markowitz. She, by the way, is a... Not by the way. She is a... I have a by the way. This is not by the way. (laughs) She is a columnist at the New York Post, which is a great newspaper. And uh, she uh, did one of the most popular PragerU videos, The Sexualization of Children. She is in the... KS Department of My Life, Kindred Spirit Department. <laughs> Carol Mark, is that fair to say, Carol? Oh, absolutely, Dennis. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So you've written a fascinating piece. Where did you write this? Was it for Real Clear Politics on, on the, yes. the the Changing Jew? Oh, it was directly right. for Real Clear? Okay. Well, it's yes. a great website, and I'm glad they published it. So I'm not going to take the thunder. I'm going to I'm going to have you summarize. You have a fascinating thesis that Jews are moving rightward, which yep. is uh, sort of counter uh, instinctive on the part of most people. But you right. make a very compelling case. So take it away. So part of the 
definitely is obviously political. Jews are moving to the right political, politically, um, and that's been happening for a while. Jews voted Republican maybe 5% of the time um, 50, 40, 50 years ago, and now they're more in the 30s and 40s, and it climbs even higher than that. Um, in places like Florida, for example, Donald Trump got 41% of the Jewish vote in 2020. Ron DeSantis got at least 45%. I actually think that number is probably higher, but they haven't. You know, it, it relies on exit polls. So if somebody's switching their political identity after a lifetime of being a Democrat, they might not be willing to talk to a pollster and say, yeah, I just voted Republican for the first time. Um, so I, 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 I think that that number is probably higher than even 45% for Ron DeSantis. So we'll see. Um, but that political change is obviously co- happening according to the numbers. But what I see even more than that and happening in even greater numbers is a cultural change where Jews are no longer of the left, that that is just not part of their identity anymore, and that they are moving towards moderation and definitely towards conservatism as well. So, look, to say the least, I pray you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 by the way, that it's a very interesting uh, little statistic: the DeSantis vote. The, yeah. Although you know, w- w- one, it depends if this is the classic: is the glass half empty or half full? Because the thought that half the Jews of Florida did not vote for DeSantis uh, right. makes me, <laughs> as a Jew, embarrassed. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. Right, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, look, we're getting there. You know, um, it doesn't change, doesn't happen overnight. But you're right, you're right. Where, how could 50% of Florida's Jews not vote for Ron DeSantis? It's a, it's a great, you know, half glass <laughs> way of looking at it. Um, but Well, look, let me it, ask it, you it, this. Again, it, it, it's developing, it, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, there's no, I know it's a guess, but I mm-hmm. so admire you. I find your guesses interesting. <laughs> what percentage of Jews mm-hmm. would say would say men give birth? It's interesting. You're right because it would be a subsect of that fifty percent. Um, but it, I I feel like stuff like that is exactly what's going to push people away from the left. So I have you know so many Jewish friends who are liberals who hate this whole there's no such thing as women thing. I mean, they were lifelong feminists. They looked up to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Suddenly their feminine identity doesn't exist anymore. Their women's studies major doesn't mean anything anymore. And it's it's a hard thing to wrap their minds around. And look, again, I'm not saying that these people are going to jump over to the Republican side tomorrow. But change takes time, and stuff like this moves people over. And this insanity of there's no such thing as women is a classic example of the kind of thing that will move Jewish women over. And they won't be like, oh, yeah, men can give birth because they've given birth, and they don't want anybody taking that away from them. They don't want men being celebrated for something that they did. You point out in your article something that a lot of Americans who think about politics and and the various demographic groups I don't think appreciate, and that is the Jews of Israel. Why don't you tell Mm -hmm. my listeners about that? So Israel was once a fairly left-leaning country, and what happened was that they moved steadily to the right, and a lot of it, again, was, of course, first cultural and then political. Um, They got to where they realized that the left in Israel was not interested in preserving their lives, not, not wanting to protect them. 
And so when when they realized that, it became the central point of why they started voting for people on the right. But of course, now that extends way beyond just safety, because there's, there's other concerns in Israel, and, and Israel has become a right-leading country. And so to me, that equivalent is um, what I've discovered in Florida among Jews here is that so many of them own guns. And of course, I was raised in Brooklyn. I mean, Jews just didn't do that. And now it's like, oh, we do that. We protect ourselves. We are not sitting ducks. We're not going to let anybody come for our families. And that's a real change. That's a real difference of cultural opinion where a Jew once might have not owned a gun and now is like, oh, yeah, I go to the range, you know, three times a week with my locks and glocks club in Boca Raton, which is a real thing that really exists. Locks and glocks. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that really exists? <laughs> it really It's does. a real group? I promise. Do you live in yes. Florida, by the way? Do you live in I Florida? I do. I live in South Florida. Dave Rubin and I plot all the time on how to get you to move here. Um, I have to tell you, I'm not going to say the name because I try to be private, but I, I chose my shul because I saw a picture of you with the rabbi. And I said, if Dennis Prager has posed for a picture with this rabbi, it, it can't be crazy. I'm very touched. I really am. Thank you. That's very kind. You know why I'm, I'm, I'm here in Miami right now. You, do you know, oh, do you know why I'm in that? Miami now? Why? It's, you'll, be you'll be touched because um, I'm with Jordan Peterson for the Daily Wire. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. At his uh, the second uh, ten sessions of teaching the Book of Exodus. Oh, I love it! That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, it's and, and, a and very exciting it project. It's garnering millions of views. I mm -hmm. mean, this is my dream to bring the Torah to the world, and and, and it's, uh, it's, it. it's it's non Jews non Jews are helping me do it. It's and Christians <laughs> are part of the panel, uh, mostly Christian. Right. And, uh, it, it, it's a. It, what is happening in Miami, I mean, I, you, you really, one has to be receptive to brand new uh, developments in life. Florida, all of my life, was considered a warm suburb of, of, of New York City. <laughs> Uh, yep. And, and it, was, it was known for non-intellectual life. And right. now Florida is the most, in some ways, the most important cultural state in the country. Yes. It, absolutely. Everything is happening in Florida. I, I feel intellectually very stimulated here. And I think that there's so much happening and going on all over the state. But, you know, I'm in South Florida. I, I love what's going on here. It, it's been just terrific. And, the, you know, the, when people are moving to Florida, and the Floridians were saying, you know, just don't just make sure you vote right. Don't change our politics. Well, the last election showed that the people who have arrived here in the last few years have come here for the right reasons. They want to be a part of something. And it really does feel like we're we're building something amazing here. So I ask you, how many American Jews would assent to the notion that uh, that men give birth? And then I'll ask you another one. Yeah. How many American mm -hmm. Jews support the the boycott, divestment uh, movement, sanctions movement against Israel? I think that they're probably the same people, and I would say that number is going to be in the. 15% range. I that's, don't that's think all. higher than that. Yeah, yeah. So they're just they're just very loud, and the New York Times they're loves loud. them. That's exactly it. They're loud, and they're in the media. And, you know, I say this, I, you know, I was born in the Soviet Union. Soviet Jews, the ones who came to America or went to Israel or anywhere else, are so conservative, so conservative. 
Yet every single Soviet Jew that makes it into the, you know, into the New York Times or into the media always is on the left. I'm like, there's like six of them in our whole community and they're all in media. And so, yeah, that's just the way it goes, that the ones who are the loudest get into the, into the press, get into the New York Times, into the Washington Post, they get featured the most. Um, and they're just so not representative of what's going on. I, it is definitely, that's the, that's the truth. So I'll ask $64,000 question that I have spent so much of my life trying to figure out as an American, as a Jew, as a conservative, mm-hmm. about Jews voting uh, left or being on the left, yeah. either being on mm-hmm. the left or voting left. So mm-hmm. there are so many reasons, but I, I want to get yours. I want to get your reaction to my tiny list that I'll offer you. One is that Jews instinctively assume right wing means Hitler. And so yeah. anything right mm-hmm. is dangerous. And it's almost inconceivable that anything left would mean dangerous. Secondly, right. the, the, the Jews who stay committed to Judaism overwhelmingly uh, are conservative. And Jews have mm-hmm. simply abandoned Judaism as their religion and, and accepted secular religions, environmentalism, right. feminism, humanism, Marxism. Do you have any additional reasons? Yes. I, I Hold have, on. I you know, have, wait, wait. What, we're yeah. going to take a break. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. Give them to me when we okay. come back. Carol Markowitz, who is just terrific, uh, obviously, as you can hear. Now with the terrific Carol Markowitz and her fascinating thesis, she writes for the New York Post, uh, she's a columnist, and her fascinating thesis with regard to American Jews that they're moving rightward. So, by the way, are they moving rightward at the speed of a tortoise (laughs) or the speed of a rabbit? (laughs) I would say rabbit. I would say that the last few years have moved them from tortoise to rabbit. It became necessary. So I want to answer the question of why I think um, American Jews have voted. Oh, by the way, I'm I'm going to interrupt you, which I hate doing. Mm -hmm. I want to add one more to my list. Jews are disproportionately uh, college graduates. Okay. So I would say that the reason I, I agree with a lot of those, especially, you know, um, I, yeah, I think all of your reasons are very good. But the main reason to me why American Jews have voted for Democrats for as long as they have is because they have lived lives of deep security and safety and they have no idea what the rest of the world is actually like. So my thing is that if you look at like voting patterns in Brooklyn, for example, all of the immigrant Jewish communities are voting for Republicans. The Russian Jews, I mean, all the ex-Soviet Jews, you know, Ukrainian, all those, all those Soviet republics, um, the Syrian Jews, the Israeli Jews, um, any Jews that came from anywhere in South America or and really anywhere in the whole world are voting for Republicans once they get to America. But the American Jews who came here at the turn of the last century, whose families have always lived in security, who never faced real danger, who missed the pogroms in, in you know, um, in Russia and they missed World War II and they missed, you know, being treated like second class citizens no matter where you lived and they missed being threatened with their lives all the time. Um, they grew up in a very different place than those of us who, who lived in the kind of danger that we came from. And so their security has allowed them to vote for 
all kinds of other reasons and not for safety. And the immigrant Jew whose family has been here, you know, even 50 years, just does not have that luxury. And so that's why. That is so intelligent. I I, got to tell you, when I hear a new idea that I uh, that I accept, it it is it is like what's my favorite dessert? Oh, unfortunately, (laughs) they're all my favorite desserts. It's like it's like Cheesecake Factory cheesecake. I I, I, it's delicious. I I don't know. That is so right on. Oh, I never and I never thought of it. So it's 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 a joy to hear. That's right. Thank you. They're, they're, they're they naive. Don't know. Yeah. That's right. People who know suffering are not naive. American Jews have not right. known suffering. It's been t- terrific yep. for American Jews. Exactly. They've been the wow. luckiest Jews wow. in history. You know. So in history, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. My dad, my dad was a an Orthodox Jew, and mm-hmm. uh, to his great credit, he enlisted in the Navy. He didn't have to. He was over the age of draft and had a wife and child, so he was exempt. But he enlisted in World War II and fought in the Pacific for two and a half years as an officer on a transport ship. And my father's senior thesis at the City College of New York was on anti-Semitism in America. But he raised my brother and me to believe that we were the luckiest Jews who ever lived because we were American Jews. Yep. Same. I mean, I, I grew up with that same kind of message that, my God, we're so All right, so how do you explain the children of Soviet Jews, the children yeah. of Soviet Jews, mm-hmm. like like the, the Brin at Google, who hate this country right. and hate liberty? Well, so, right. They're so rare. I'm telling you, this is my community. They are overwhelmingly conservative. I, I, I know so few liberal even children of uh, Soviet immigrants. And it just, you know, again, the people that make it into the media, okay, Bryn is, a, is, in, is in business, but he's still a rarity. And but the Julia Ioffs and the Max Boots and the, you know, Vinmans and whatever that, that you hear about, uh, they're, they're so, so unique in, the, in, the, in this ex-Soviet world. Um, my whole community is extremely conservative. Extremely, they were, they were for Trump in such a big way. They were even for, you know, George W. Bush in such a big way. This community is not liberal, and I, I can't even see their kids or their grandkids being that liberal. I mean, again, once they get further away from, from real danger and they get too comfortable, who knows? But I grew up with the idea of, you know, being so blessed to be here, celebrating the day we came to America every year, um, feeling like my life could have been so different and how, how lucky I am to be here. And you want to pass that on to your kids and grandkids, and that's so important. Like, you have to let them know that the, the safety and security that they live in in America is not the standard, and they should be so feel so blessed every day about it. Have you written any books? It's coming up, Dennis. <laughs> I have a book can, coming out. Can I get, can I get people? not formally announced yet, but yes. <laughs> oh, okay, because I, I, want, I want to help you publicize it. I don't care if you, you could, if you write on bus, Brussels sprouts recipes, I will help you. I will help you. All right. We'll test that. Theory. I will, I will write the forward. <laughs> well, by the way, do you speak, do you speak Russian? I do. I'm fluent. Oh, he's nice. To you. I yeah, I know. But we'll oh, wow. All right. Say just he's nice. 
All right. This was That's a joy. <laughs> Thank you, Dennis. Thank you oh, for well, having me. Oh, uh, all right. All the best to you. It's a, she is very special. See her video at PragerU, by the way, on the sexualization of children. One of the most popular, uh, uh, if one could, <laughs> I hate to use the term popular in that case, but one of the most viewed of our vid. This, uh, this last explanation that she gave, and you have to understand, I have really thought this issue through, and to hear a new explanation which is at least as good as any of those that I gave. I love it. I don't, I don't, I never want to think I'm the brightest guy in the room. It's actually depressing to me. Uh, I, I want, I want at least as equally bright people around me. Anyway, that, that is, uh, th- this issue is the issue that transcends just American Jews. It's the issue of naivete. Every leftist is naive. And the more naive you are, the more left-wing you are. Why do you think I battle so much for people to understand that human nature is not basically good? Only the naive believe that. And naivete in adults leads to very, very bad things. You're naive at five, it's defensible. At 25, it's not. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.